Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week and answer big questions like, if you get nutmegged by Jaka, is it time to retire? I'm your host, Caleb, and this week I am not joined by Tim, who is somewhere lost in the woods, I think. He has gone on a mystery camping trip and left me alone to talk about Chelsea all by myself. So, without further ado, let's get right into things. Because I, I'm not drinking anything fine this week. I've just got uh, some emergency. And I'm trying trying to avoid getting sick these days. It's it, The colds are back. COVID's still out there. And I'm just trying to survive. Uh, so this week, I, I, I'm, I'm going easy on myself and, and skipping the alcohol. But that's okay. I'm still going to have fun talking to you guys. And I'm going to start... Right off the bat, just getting into this Chelsea game because I I don't know about you, I am feeling really high about this team again. <laughs> I know that the uh, the life of an Arsenal fan, you know, we we sway with the wind. It is week to week an adventure, and you never know how you're gonna feel. Um, I was lucky to be on vacation during some of the doldrums of the of the last few Arsenal games, and so. I wasn't feeling quite as low as I could have had I been deep into it like I normally would be when I'm podcasting about it. Uh, so maybe taking vacation was good for my mental health as far as avoiding some of the worst of what Arsenal had to offer in the last uh, three games or so. Um, so I came back just in time to catch the best of what Arsenal has to offer. And this this Chelsea game really had it all, and it was it came as a big surprise, I think, to pretty much everybody because I wasn't hearing too much positivity coming from Arsenal fans going into this game. I think when you are sliding off of the pace and watching the Champions League dreams slip away, it's hard to get too excited about a, a Chelsea match. Um, especially when that falls midweek. And so it, it was a, a bit surprising to, you know, come back come back to some of the better form that we've seen from Arsenal in recent weeks. And so I, I'm, I think that, that caught everybody off guard and that, that's uh, maybe what happened to Chelsea as well. I think they, they were in the middle of, of several games that were, high profile as far as they were fighting for the FA Cup, fighting in the FA Cup semifinal, and maybe we're looking at this Arsenal game as a chance to rest some players. You know, they had a Champions League win against Real Madrid previous to that FA Cup game. And so there was definitely some rotation, maybe some... uh, Just just overlooking Arsenal a little bit, you know, West Ham coming up for them on the weekend, they maybe th- thought they needed to rotate some guys, rest some guys. But I think that that, that they, they uh, underestimated what Arsenal is capable of. And I think many Arsenal fans were underestimating what Arsenal was capable of because we just have not seen it recently. But this was a different looking Arsenal side. And so... Things things were played out a little bit differently. If you look at this lineup, I think everybody was going back and forth on what this really was going to look like in execution. You saw a lot of people saying that they were going to play in a back three because you had Ben White in that lineup playing alongside Rob Holding. So with Gabrielle in there as well, you think maybe that's a back three. Maybe you've got a couple wingbacks in there with Tavares playing on the left and uh, potentially Saka playing as a wingback or something like that. And as it is with every Arteta formation, what you see on paper is not necessarily how it's going to play out in in, in practice. And so the formation did start out a, a somewhat like a back three, but quickly morphed into more of a traditional 
4231 with White playing in the right back position. But the uh, I think I think there was there was some more defensive stability added in there. You had White playing at right back, which I think was a good a good move. Bringing Holding in was um, was, was essentially the sort of lockdown holding mentality that uh, we've seen in late late in games. It was kind of doing that from the beginning, and so I think that that paired with Elneny taking up Bakonga's role in the midfield, it really did add a little bit of defensive stability to this team. And then Nkedia getting another start up front, and that that turned out to be the true stroke of genius in this lineup. Um, and we'll talk I'll talk about that in a minute here, but uh you know, looking looking at this lineup, it, it, there's there's definitely reasons to be concerned. There's reasons to be hopeful, but um, it was intriguing nonetheless going into this game because there was definite changes that had to be made uh, based on who was available, obviously, but also just trying to stop the bleeding a bit. And I think Arteta knew that going into Chelsea with the same lineup that had just previously. Um, been pretty banged up by the last three games it uh it had to there had to be some tactical shift to to weather the storm of Chelsea here even with them doing some rotating their bench is stacked and so they're going to put out a good lineup even if they are resting guys so looking at the the way this game played out I, I had some uh, nervous energy going into it, of course, anytime there's a big game like this. But, you know, looking at look, Lukaku coming back into the team for them, you know, he made his his return debut uh, against Arsenal previously and had had a pretty pretty good match. And so as as the game started to play out, I was I was nervous that he was going to make a, a another statement game as Arsenal came back again. And uh, he he was due to make that sort of statement. He has not been really breaking into the lineup or doing what he was hoping to do in his return to Chelsea. So uh, it would not have surprised me if if Arsenal would have give him, given him a platform to do make that comeback. But it didn't play out that way. He was actually less of a factor than I expected. But we'll get to that more in a moment. Um, Starting off early in this game, I thought it was pretty back and forth, and it, it was it, it proved to be a pretty back and forth game through that first half. But I, I, for as many mistakes as Arsenal were making, Chelsea seemed to be doing pretty much the same thing. Although at the end of the day, I think the possession stats uh, swung pretty heavily in Chelsea's favor. Yeah, looking at the possession right now, 68% in favor of Chelsea. And uh, it, it was more about what Arsenal was able to do with what little possession they had. They were great on the counter and really took advantage of some sloppy Chelsea play. And that started early on in this game. You know, in Kedia, like I said, the true stroke of genius as far as getting Enkedia a second game in, in the starting lineup, I think uh, he looked more confident. He looked ready to take on a team like Chelsea. And that that sort of tenacity and energy has really been lacking in that striker position. And so it was refreshing to see him come in and and play confidently. I think you know you you never know if a, a striker is going to get the momentum that they need to really get into a game. But you could tell that he was he was ready to chase things down, and I think that is his his best quality is his tenacity and his his ability to um, harass the opposition. And he did not make it easy on on the Chelsea defense. And looking at that back line, you know, uh, Rudiger was out. They had um, Christensen playing as their in the middle of their back three, and right away, Kedia was able to 
really make him pay for an early mistake in the 13th minute. And it was a, a great example of what Enkedia can do. I see so many times he will chase those lost causes and make it difficult for for players to make those simple passes because he gets in, in players' faces, he gets in defenders' space and makes other teams make mistakes. And then in, in some cases, he's able to capitalize. And this was a great example of that. And he was able to create, create a turnover and finish it off. And it was... It was the quintessential Enkedia goal, except he was farther away from from goal than he normally is. He's usually the uh, in that six yard box making players miss and and getting on the end of things. But he's also capable of creating these turnovers, and um, this this one was a great shot, and he made he made. Chelsea looked pretty foolish, and that was a great set the tone for the rest of the game. It was really great to see Arsenal go out ahead uh, early. And, I, you know, goals change games. You hear that all the time. But I do think that in these big games when you're away from home, it is especially um, important to get that early goal, to settle the nerves, to get things moving in the right direction. And although Chelsea was able to level things shortly after, getting that first goal and really establishing that confidence early on made, I think, all the difference. And and you have to hand it to Enkedia for making that happen. So, like I said, we were unlucky to have Chelsea come right back only four minutes later and score the tying goal uh, from Timo Werner, who got pretty lucky, I would say. You know, I think the ball deflected off of White and the underside of Xhaka's leg before going past Ramsdale. So it, it was pretty fortunate for, for Werner to get that goal. And it... It was definitely a letdown as far as from from a fan perspective. We've seen this before. We've seen these games go back and forth, and it seems all too common to have Arsenal capitulate so quickly after scoring a goal. Uh, I feel like I'd, I'd seen this before, and I was ready for things to go the wrong direction. Um, but you never got the sense from the players on the field that they were deterred by that at all. I didn't see any heads drop. I didn't see any change in the the play and the energy on the team. And that that is a huge example of how far this team has come and really the mentality that that Arteta has been able to install in this team and, and getting them to keep pushing forward and not get scared off by these, these teams. Uh, especially, I think he mentioned after... Uh, after the game in in one of the press conferences, just saying that if you want to play in the Champions League, you have to go away from home. You have to play these kind of teams and you have to get results. And he he's absolutely right. And I, I, I think that as long as you have the team pushing in that direction, it's not about all the, you know, winning all of these games, but really staying in them and staying competitive because a lot of times you're in, when you when you're talking about Champions League as well you have that home and away leg to uh kind of right the ship if things go wrong but the way to get past those rounds is to keep games close so if you're going to if you're going to let goals go in you go out and score again you don't stop and you don't you don't uh slow slow your game down and you don't let that get to you because that's going to happen but the only way forward is to continue to go out and get goals and to keep yourself in that game. And Arsenal did just that. It wasn't too much longer uh, before uh, Arsenal were back back in, in Chelsea's face, really. It, it, it never felt like this game slowed down. And uh, Neil Smith-Rowe coming up huge. I mean, this, this is... 
this was a very good team goal, but the the end result from from Neil Smith Rowe is really a thing of beauty. But you got to hand it to every player involved in this buildup, starting with with uh, Granite Jaka. Um, this this the beginning of this play could have gone either direction. It's a slight deflection, uh, a miss by Jaka in his um, calculations trying to get out of the box, uh, could have easily turned into a turnover and a goal going the other direction. But what transpired was was a thing of beauty because not only did uh, did Jaka dribble around the Kaku in the box. But then proceeded to nutmeg uh, Alonso on his way, on his way out, and uh, you know Rob Holding. Credit to him; he he looked like he was going to panic, but he he just kind of let Jaka come in and got out of the way, and that could have been uh, a Keystone Cops moment where you know they're bouncing the ball around and trying to get it, get out of their own way, but instead. Jaka comes in calmly, does his thing, and gets out of our uh, the danger zone there, and then does what what you should do, and gets the ball out to Odegaard, who uh, d- does his thing, gets gets upfield, passes it out to Saka, who passes it back to Odegaard, and lays it off perfectly in the path of Emil Smith Rowe, who I it, it's. It is not easy to do what he did and make it look so smooth. Uh, he he barely he barely breaks stride and does not put uh, too much force into the the shot. It is just enough to roll the ball past the keeper. Just just that little touch, then he didn't didn't over overcook it. It just was enough to pass it into the corner of the goal. And those are, are, are a thing of beauty, especially when you have such good buildup. And Emil Smith-Rowe, again, coming up huge. And both him and Mikai Osaka just having an amazing game and really showing that they have lived up to the hype. You know, I think at the beginning of this season, uh, talking to Tim, I was thinking the... Uh, you know, I was saying that this, this team was really going to rely on... Saka and Emil Smith Rowe picking up some of the slack, some of the goal scoring. And it especially has been true without the contributions of Lacazette, without the contributions of Aubameyang. Um, it was, it has been them all season long, but it is especially important as we get into this final stretch that they continue to find ways to contribute. And I think that has been the missing piece in the previous games is we have not found ways to get the ball to the feet of Saka and Smith Rowe in dangerous areas. And this really, it, it just came together in this game. And, um, I, I don't know what the magic sauce was here, but in, in comparison to the previous games, but they played confidently. They played with speed, with pace. And I do, it, it did feel like there was, that was lacking in previous games. Like they just weren't moving the ball fast enough they were not putting defenses on their heels and it came together in this game. And, and I, I couldn't tell you what the difference was because you would not expect that to happen against Chelsea just based on the quality of their team. And, uh, it, it was, it was about time. This was really, uh, what we'd come to expect from this team. And it's great to see them get back into that form and, and Emil Smith Rowe has been dealing with some niggling little injuries for a bit, so it is, it's also great to see him kind of look like his old scoring self that we saw back in December. And I, I'm hopeful that this this is just a, a sign of things to come for him because that's that's what we really need. We it, it can't just be it can't just be coming from Nketia or Saka or Odegaard or Smith Rowe or whoever, you know, it can't be any individual that's going to carry this team. It is a team effort at this point to try to figure out how to score the goals. And it's going to come from a little bit from everybody until we can get things kind of figured out in the striker position. So the contributions of, of Saka and Smith Rowe in this game were very welcome and, and good to see that things are, are hopefully rounding back into form for these players. 
Uh, so I, I also have to shout out the, the shot from Emil Smith Rowe later in the half, just before halftime, he, he was able to kind of dribble around the top of the box, uh, a few players at the top of the box and get a shot off. And it was just wide, but you know, it was another, one of those close control, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that is a, a, a way, uh, Something that Emil Smithrow really excels at is his ability to dribble into in compact spaces, and he he showed that off a bit. It, his shot was just wide, but um, you just like Odegaard's really good at that as well, and I think that's where a lot of comparisons could be drawn between the two of them. But it is uh, Smithrow's instinct to shoot the ball, you know, versus pass. I think that really sets him apart. From from Odegaard, so the uh, the end product wasn't quite there in that instance, but you know you got to hand it to him for the sh- the goal that he did make, and it was a thing of beauty. And shout out to Odegaard as well because I, I he quietly had a good game, a really good game. I felt like that, that he was getting back to his his best form as well. You know, just con- pulling the strings in the midfield, finding the spaces. And and really driving things forward. I, I think some some pundit was criticizing him for not being good defensively, but really what he does best is press other teams and and also he's he's the release valve and, and that's something we absolutely need right now without party in the lineup is somebody who can play centrally, who can receive the ball in tight space and can dribble through that or find that outlet pass that allows Saka or Smithrow or Nketia to push forward. And so I think this was a return to that for Odegaard, who really benefits most when Party is there to help move the ball forward to to do some of that um, dribbling through the, the midfield that um, Odegaard was having to do too much of in the previous games. It, it seemed that the balance worked a lot better. And I would say Elneny was a big part of why that worked. Uh, he's, he's a great, you know, he's a, he's a great defender. He's also just strong on the ball. He's not as good as party, but he's, he, he can move the ball around well. And I felt like that, that allowed Odegaard to play forward a little bit more and not have to come back and do as much. And when he's able to press when he wants to, you know, play higher up the field, and when he can receive the ball and turn or, or, you know, get into those spaces that allow him to see the players around him better, I just felt like there's so many moments where Odegaard was was receiving the ball and just not able to make that turn and not not able to do what he, he does best in the previous few games. And so this was... Uh, a welcome return to form for him and and just looked like it worked a little bit better. So, you know, as far as the, the way things played out with this lineup, I would say that El Nenny move was really good. That Enkedia move turned out to be really good, but you know, just being stronger defensively overall was, I think the, the goal from the outset and it really paid off. And so I think having that strong base, that allowed Odegaard and, and some of the players up front to do what they needed to do was really important in this game. Uh, unfortunately, as this game went along, we could not score a goal, at least in the first half, without Chelsea <laughs> responding quickly after. So, of course, uh, everybody's favorite player in this game and, and one of the more, <laughs> more active villains uh in this in this matchup was Espelicueta, who was able to get on the end of an, a pretty nice cross and just tap the ball in in the 32nd minute. So we go into the second half tied at two apiece. And I, I got to wonder what that team talk sounded like, because you got to think with the way that the run of form that Arsenal were in coming into this game, you got to think that Arteta was thinking if he could just get a tie. And I think most fans were saying that if he could just get a tie, we'd be pretty happy with that away from home against a top three team 
we would be doing pretty good to get that. But at the same time, you got to think some of that came up, uh, you know, what, what Arteta said after the game and, and, you know, how, how to play against big teams that the fact that you're going to have to play against these top level teams in the champions league. And if you want to get there, you have to go through those, those big teams and be able to hang out with them, not hang, hang out, hang with them, I should say. But the goal being to not be afraid and not, not cower and not, not just sit back and try to get a tie here. They looked like they could get a lot more out of this. And I don't think they came out in the second half and played afraid. They, they did come out on the front foot and it continued to, to be a lot of possession on the Chelsea side, but Arsenal did a good job of disrupting things and creating turnovers as much as they turned the ball over themselves. They weren't allowing, uh, Chelsea to get too much as far as um, dangerous plays. When you look at the stats overall for the game, uh, I believe the the expected goals for Chelsea was like 0.7. It you know they they were not doing anything too dangerous as as far as creating uh, dangerous looks or anything like that. So. The disruption, the turnovers that really worked in Arsenal's favor, who were able to uh, push the ball, the ball forward, and and get out on the counter, and it wasn't long before uh, Enkedi was was back on the board again, just doing the hard work. And in this in this instance, you know, coming into this game, you know we knew exactly what Enkedia was about and he got to show it multiple times here, uh, just how tenacious he can be. And in the 57th minute, he really just outworks the defenders again. And the ball definitely took some lucky bounces and he, he just benefited from being faster and more aware of the ball and, and was able to poke it in and, and, it was another quintessential Kedia goal. I, I don't know how else to explain it. There's just a level of hustle that he has that you don't find in a lot of strikers these days. And he just makes defenders look bad by outworking them, being more aware and pouncing on balls faster. And this this is it is something this team has lacked i will say we are not we have not seen a lot of that from lacazette that desire to make things happen and to create turnovers and to do something with those turnovers and and getting the ball into dangerous areas and and making making the hard runs and doing what needs to be done and it was refreshing and i think he has he fully deserved to see he deserves to see more game time after this performance. It just, it was exactly what this team needed at the right moment. And when you have those big, big games and you turn up, you, you can only be rewarded. I, I think Arteta said after the game that he had really done, you know, the, the player that he'd really messed up with was, was in Kedia. And I think that comes down to, not giving him enough minutes and not giving him enough opportunities. And we see that after a couple starts, he's starting to round it to form. And I don't want to jump to conclusions and say he's going to be um, at this level for the rest of the season. But you you can say that it, he deserves more minutes than he has gotten and more opportunities. And it's I, I think he would be a better player he is the type of player who, who feeds off of the, the confidence that he's able to build. And the only way he's able to do that is to play consistently. And it, it's it's a shame that he's been kind of in the shadows of Lacazette because Lacazette has not been turning up to these games. And so it's... Uh, it's time. I think it's time. I think it's time that Enkedia got a chance, and I, he deserves everything he gets uh, from that. It's just 
it is it it does come down to to actually scoring so you know we'll see if this hustle this tenacity can continue and that he can find ways to turn that into goals but persistence that, that is key to his game uh and i have to also give tavares a shout out you know he uh you know the the Spilicueta goal i would say was easily pinned on Tavares and you can see the weakness in his game it is frequently getting caught on the wrong side of the play and this was no different you know Espilicueta broke on his run and cut inside of Tavares and it's just that split second where Tavares is just not I don't know if he's not aware I don't know what's going on because it's not that he is not fast enough. It's just that he seems to turn off for a second and all of a sudden he's on the wrong side of things. And we see it time and time again. That is the one of the main weaknesses to his defending is just getting caught on the wrong side of the ball. Now, he's not making stupid fouls, He's but he's letting in goals. So it is something I think can be coached out of him, but... It is it is a definite weak spot in this team right now. On the flip side, however, you talk about what we like about Tavares. That was exemplified exemplified on the the Enkedia's, uh, on the Enkedia goal here, because what he does do well is, um, I, he identifies a stray pass, gets into the right position, and is able to break on the ball and and really create a, t- a counter attack out of a bad Chelsea pass. And when he gets running with the ball at his feet, you, you get the sense that something dangerous is going to happen. He's not, he doesn't have a great shot, but he does, he does have a great cross. And in this, in this instance, he's able to find Enkedia in a dangerous position. Um, so I can't leave out his, the praise for him because I, th- I think it, it made up for his, his mistake uh, on the Espilicueta goal. So, Cheers to to Tavares. I think he's another person that's going to benefit from having more game time. And to come into a Chelsea match and have a solid game, you know, get a win against a big team, even though he 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 was culpable on a goal, I think that is going to help his confidence. And also getting that, that, that assist or getting involved in that play is also going to help help him move forward and hopefully put some of the bad times behind him. Cause I think we, well, we absolutely need what he, what he can bring and what he is capable of, of doing as we, we saw earlier in the season when people were saying maybe he could, um, displace, uh, tyranny, you know, now that he has the opportunity, now that he is the main option in that position, we have to f- see him get back to that run of form that he was in earlier. And I think his his best qualities are on the offensive side of things. And his his weak points are easy to see. But like I said, those things can be coached out of him. And I hope that given the opportunities, he can start making the corrections that need to be made to his game. Here we are in the latter part of the game. It's the 57th minute win. And Kedia scored his second goal of the game and Arsenal's third goal of the game. And of course, those create some some nervy moments. We've got quite a bit of game left after that. So what you know, there's going to <laughs> there's definitely going to be some back and forth. Uh it you know, with with the changes that that occur later in the game. Uh, you know, Nkedia gets pulled out. Martinelli comes in to kind of just be a runner and stretch the defense a little bit. And then, you know, as the game goes on, you get later in the 75th minute, Neil Smith-Rowe comes out and you got uh, Cedric Suarez get gets brought in. And I think that's really when you realize that, that things are... Arsenal's trying to lock lock things down, but with only a one goal lead, it is still going to be a bit um, scary for any Arsenal fan who's who's been around for a bit. We've seen these games uh, get evened up late, and uh, 
Um, this was no different. It was just... It, it, it seemed like Arsenal, even when they were lo- trying to lock things down, they were very solid on creating counter-attacking opportunities. And uh, this late in the game... I think in the 81st, 82nd, somewhere in there, uh, Gabriel makes a great sweeping pass across the field to find Suarez running up the side. And amazingly, he's able to get through a pretty bad tackle from Saar and put you know put, put him behind. And basically, they both go to the ground, but... Uh, Suarez gets back to his feet quick enough to recover and dribbles towards goal. You think, oh my gosh, here's Martinelli coming up. It's going to be an easy tap-in, except instead of hitting the ball with conviction, Suarez kind of hesitates, doesn't cross until too late, finds Tavares on the far side of the field who slices it pretty poorly. It's a bad shot, and I... Uh, Suarez has is, is had a, a decent run, but there are so many things that are lacking in his game. And when it comes to his crossing and his ability on the offensive side of things, I, it leaves a bit to be desired. And this was no different. You could just see the moment where he hesitates and it would have been a perfect goal for Martinelli to just tap in, basically. Um, but that... All that said, this kind of play was really stretched the game. It, it slowed things down. It put uh, you know Chelsea back in their half and, and kept them honest. And so that that sort of play really um, helped keep keep Arsenal in the game here because it could have been uh, there. There was quite a bit of pressure, obviously, as Chelsea was trying to get back into things. Uh, as the game was winding down. Arsenal gets one more opportunity to, you know, find find a, a the the game killer goal here, and uh, this comes from uh, across from from Ben White into the box. It's it's it happens to be nowhere near Saka, who's running into the middle of the the box there, and there he gets dragged to the ground by his and i think a lot of people were you know it got it got called as a penalty pretty quickly um but as they started showing the replays of this it, it seemed like everybody was expecting var to overturn the penalty call and you look at the replays and it seems pretty clear to me that both players were involved. I don't think it was like I, I, it. The pundits made it sound like Saka grabbed onto a Spilicueta and dragged him to the ground. That's what they made it sound like. I think the reality is a Spilicueta put an arm around Saka, and rather than just let that go. Saka holds onto him and goes down to the ground. If a player is willing to put their arm around you and you know what you're doing, you're going to sell that foul to the ref. This happens all the time. You see players stick a leg out and a player, an opposing player will make a meal out of it. You can create fouls. If a player is dumb enough to leave an arm out, a leg out, this happens constantly, and it gets called regularly. You know, it is it is funny to me that somehow this is Saka creating a goal, uh, a penalty out of nothing, according to some people. But you have to look at what Espilicueta was doing. He wasn't doing nothing. I, I, I would say that he definitely was on Saka in a way that was... That would have been a foul had the ball been closer to him. You know, I think it, this this goes. Some people would say the ball was behind him. It was no, there was no play on the ball. He wasn't. Saka wasn't even trying to get to the ball. You know, there's lots of excuses that can be made here, 
but the play, neither player was near the ball, which makes it even more egregious that he was ge- being dragged to the ground. You know, Saka wasn't going to get to the ball anyway. So it, it's it's one of those fouls that didn't need to be made. And I think that that made, you know, when you're looking at the replays, it's it's hard to overturn that penalty call because it's not like Espelicueta was completely innocent in this. He was definitely tangled up with Saka, and Saka made made a meal of it. Sure, absolutely, but it wasn't like he was innocent and Saka did something to him. And I think that was kind of the underlying narrative that some people were trying to make is that Saka somehow did something to Espelicueta. And by judging by Espelicueta's reaction, you would you would think that Saka did something to him. Uh, he got very angry, and there was there was a bit of a scuffle of a scuffle that happened after the call was made, and I think Gabriel and and Espilicueta ended up with yellow cards out of the um, aftermath of that. But it ended up with Saka earning a penalty, and not only that, Saka ends up with the ball in his hand, and I think for most people who are familiar with with Bukayo Saka, you kind of, your heart's in your throat for the, for the kid because it he has not taken a penalty since the Euros in the summer when he took when he missed a huge penalty that you know a lot of people gave him a lot of a lot of stick for so for him to earn that penalty grab the ball and walk up confidently and put put it away very easily I it, it was it was not a, a game-winning goal per se it wasn't the go-ahead goal but it, it symbolically was a huge deal and I it, it you do feel like it was getting the monkey off his back a little bit he you know hasn't hadn't really had the opportunity to take a penalty since then and you got to think there's there's a bit of relief in the back of his mind that that's that's over and done with and he didn't he didn't hesitate at all it looked like a, a very solid penalty kick and put the game away in the 92nd minute and seal, sealed the game for arsenal and that that had to feel pretty good for him and what a outstanding just overall team performance and a great way to go out like the level of catharsis and release from this to, to come back and um, battle their way through this game to not get deterred when Chelsea kept coming back and really controlled that whole second half. Like I, there wasn't a whole lot of threat from Chelsea. Obviously they, they were doing their best to get back into the game, but Arsenal shut things down. They looked mature. They looked calm. They were getting back into the right formation. They were controlling the passing lanes and not allowing Chelsea to do too much. And when they had opportunities to go the other direction, they were they were creating enough to keep Chelsea honest and to keep them pinned back a little bit and just kill the clock. And and to see them go, you know, take the ball into the corner and do those those little mature things that you need to learn how to do to kill games, and that's what this team was doing in that that second half. They were doing all the right things to really shut this game down. And and once they got that go ahead goal, it was really about uh, game management and getting the right players in the right places and and locking things down and. It was just a, lo- a a great mature performance from a young team, and there's a lot to build on from this. So I'm hoping that what they learned in this game, what they were able to accomplish in this game, is something that they can take with them through the next six games. Because in the aftermath of this, Arsenal now sit level on points with with the team I shall not name here but you know it's it's the the chickens from across the way and they are you know the chickens are only ahead uh in goal differential now so looking at the uh man united game on the weekend it suddenly looks very doable you know it's not that there's a 
guaranteed win in there by any means, but Man United have not been the team, the bogeyman team that you would expect this season. They've been pretty hit and miss, you know, looking back at their previous few games here, just coming off of a, just a beating from Liverpool, you know, a four, a four nil drubbing. Um, and then, you know, losing to Everton a couple weeks before that, Leicester tie, uh, falling out of the Champions League, the just, it, they, they have not been the team that we thought they were going to be um, in this push for the top four. That is not to say they can't turn things around. We have to be careful. We have to be cautious. But I think the underlying confidence that we needed to build back up and the things that we needed to do to get back on track, that stuff came together at just the right time with this Chelsea game to really propel this team forward and and push into this final these final really important six games that are, you know, none of them are going to be easy, but... Um, what a confidence boost to go up against Chelsea and get those points and then car- hopefully carry that into Man United at the weekend and and continue what we we did really well in this. And that was show up, have a mature performance, take advantage of the things that are given to us and not, you know, playing. It, it seemed like a team that was willing to play within itself, not not try to do too much, just do enough. And that, you know, that shows up in the stats when you only have... Um, you know, 30 something percent possession, but you're able to score four goals. That is exact. That, that, that level of efficiency is exactly what you need against these big teams. Because if, if you try to open the game up too much, you really put yourself at risk. So getting early goals, staying on top of the other team and shutting it down as much as you can, you know, I would say that the two, the two goals that, that Arsenal gave up, um, you know, the first one was fluky. The second one was a solid goal, but, you know, you can let in one goal and still stay in games. And and I think they, they just didn't let this game get away from them. And I think that they can, that is a blueprint they can build on and take, take with them to Man United who look vulnerable. So I, I think there is something to take advantage of here. And, you know, Every single point counts, especially when you're essentially tied tied for fourth place. This is going to come down to the wire, especially when you look at that uh, North London Derby that's sitting on the horizon. If you can bank some points and go into that game with a lead, it puts that pressure on Tottenham. So, you know, Tottenham losing uh, recently is, is really, it, it, it does leave the door open a crack. And they they have tough games. Well, maybe not quite as tough, but you know, they they have um, they they have Brentford this weekend, but Leicester and Liverpool be- before they play us. So it's it is going to come down to the wire. It is going to be every little point that counts. And we we knew that going into this, but I I, I didn't expect to really be where we are. And that, that's a great feeling, but it's also nerve-wracking. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, when I come back, uh, I've got a couple questions to answer. And so stick with me. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back from the break. Got a couple questions from you guys, so I'll hit those real quick before wrapping things up this week. First one comes from Joe Robinson. What do we do with Enkedia? He's made a strong case to be our first choice striker for the rest of the season, but what about beyond that? With his contract situation, we need to act sooner rather than later? Well, I don't want to put too much pressure on Enkedia and and there's no reason to rush to judgment uh, as far as what what he is or what he can be for Arsenal um 
we have we've kind of seen the 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 bad and the good uh you hope that this is him turning the corner and finding some form and getting getting to his best self and I, I want to see how he shows up for the next six games. We absolutely need to start him and put him into the posi- in, into a good position to succeed. I have not seen enough from Lacazette to justify putting him in over in Kedia cur- currently. So I'm expecting that we'll see more in Kedia on Saturday. And that's that's going to be another big test. But the the United defense looks like they could let some goals in, like they could make some mistakes. And so it might be another great opportunity for him. And the, the important thing is, you know, all, for all his work rate, for all his tenacity, he has to find that end product. It is not enough to create turnovers if those don't result in goals. So as much as I like to see him harass the defense, he has to make those mistakes mean something. And he does bring something we don't have and I don't think is easy to find on the market. If you can get him for the right price, if you can get him the amount of minutes that he thinks he deserves, I think he's a great option to have. But I don't think he's the future of Arsenal as far as the striker position. I think he's going to play second fiddle to somebody better and probably should. Um, But he's a great depth player to have. We've seen how good he is in cup competitions. Um, So as a rotational player, as somebody who can bring something different off the bench, I think he's a fantastic asset to have, especially when he gets into form. But I don't think... I'm willing to, or I would be willing to give him a huge contractor at this moment. I need to see more from him through the rest of the season. If he comes up big, I think it's definitely worth having that conversation and seeing what other teams are offering him and maybe matching that, you know, potentially. But I, you know, I don't really know where I value him at this moment. But all he can do is, is, continue this this run of form and he puts himself in a good position to either get a great contract from another team or to open up that conversation again with Arsenal if that's if that's what he wants I think if he's willing to stay if he wants to fight for minutes if he's willing to play a, a bit role more than being the the starting striker I think there's a great position for him with the team but if he's looking for to be the main guy, I don't think that's going to happen with Arsenal next season or beyond. So he's he's got to understand what Arsenal needs, what what role he's going to play, and uh, if they can come to an agreement on that, I think that he would be a good asset. But I don't think he's going to be the future of Arsenal by at least not in the the short term. Um. The second question I've got from Jonathan King Monilis, our previous guest host. Thank you, Jonathan, for filling in for me. Uh, Considering the way we played the previous three games, is it overblown to hail Arteta as a tactical genius after the Chelsea game? Considering our form before that, is it overblown to call for him to be sacked after Crystal Palace, Brighton, and Southampton? Um, you know, I, I never, I never buy into the extremes here. Uh, it's, it's more about the overall results uh, at the end of the season. So yes, it is, it is disheartening to lose those games. And I think if you're, if you're, if you buy into that idea that, that we could be in Champions League this season and should be based on how we've been playing, um, it is, it is definitely understandable why you might want to see him sacked. But the reality to me is that we are ahead of schedule. I don't think anybody expected to be in this position. And if you're looking at those three games 
and thinking that is down to Arteta's tactics or anything Arteta did. I don't think it's about what he did with the players that he has. I think it's more about what the the team and what the front office and what he did in his role as as a um, manager, you know, in not bringing in the reinforcements that we needed in January. I think it more comes down to that, and you can kind of spread that blame around to a lot more people than just Arteta. And so I don't think he is solely responsible for the failings of uh, the last three games because he's he's only able to do what he can do with the tools at his disposal. And you you got to know he has learned something from this run and hopefully can apply that. And and we saw some changes happen in this Chelsea game and you and that can't go overlooked. You can't, you can't say, well, he was crap the previous three games and just got lucky this, this one game. That's certainly possible, but the changes that he made definitely changed the complexion of this team and made this game happen. Um, Sometimes it just takes getting the right combination. It's just that that couple couple of tweaks, and all of a sudden, the, the players that you had and the same players that you've had at your disposal this whole time suddenly there's a solution there. And he's been he's been able to do that over and over again. He finds something that works that gets a little something different out of the the team. And the thing that seems to break every once in a while is teams figure that stuff out and they figure out how to play Arsenal and it kind of breaks and he has to rebuild it and he makes some tweaks and they find a way to get back into things again. I think there's a, a definite learning curve in all of this and he's learning as as the team develops and the team is learning about him and the players are learning about each other. There's a lot of growth happening and it's a lot it comes a lot from having a young coach and having a young group. And sometimes it really comes together and sometimes it doesn't. And that inconsistency is something that you have to expect with a young team that they've put a lot of faith in. And so when you look at that poor run of form previous to the Chelsea game, it's going to happen. It, it, it's unfortunate that it happened three games in a row, but we've seen Arsenal do this in the past where they have bad runs and they, and they really fall apart and they don't know how to fix it. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like this was um, certainly a blip and something you don't want to see, but it it doesn't feel like the team is worse for the wear. Like they are able to bounce back. And I think I have more confidence in this group to really uh, weather the storm more than previous teams. And so I think they've done a good job of bringing in the right players to, to develop and, and, build a mentality that is transcendent of what the results are. So I'm pretty positive about what Arteta is able to, has been able to do with this group, what he's done with the culture of the team. And when you're looking at, or when you hear about, you know, cultural consultants coming in to the team, uh, it's, it doesn't, it's not to me about fixing anything that Arteta has done. I think it's just finding more ways to get the best out of the tools at their disposal. So I think, I don't think that would even be happening if Arteta didn't think it needed to happen. I think he's definitely going to be in on on those conversations. And a lot of it is business culture stuff, not necessarily team culture things. Um, But I think it's, you don't want to get, too much into the tactical genius level of things from one win. I think he did what had to be done. He made some good decisions and I think he should be commended for that, but it's always about the end result. It's always about where we end up in May at the end of the season. We can, we can see the improvements. We can definitely see that things have changed and hopefully we end up in a better position than we did last season. But it's not Champions League or, or bust. It's not. Um, there's no reason we should be holding him to some new standard uh, when the reality is that these sorts of rebuilds take time. And he's 
slowly been given the things that he needs. But when you take a transfer window off, you know, that that is going to come back to bite you. And uh, I, th- I hope that the team and, and Arteta and the front office have learned the lesson on that because everybody saw this coming as far as being thin and um, not not having the reinforcements that we needed. And we're paying for that, and I think that's more to, more to blame than than anything tactically Arteta has done. So hopefully he's able to wring the most out of this team in the last six games, and and find find that last bit of effort, whatever it takes to get it get things across the finish line. Because if he can find a way to get this team, this very young team, into the Champions League then then you can say tactical genius or just you know an amazing coach is you know it would be a dream come true if we can have that sort of manager at our disposal i mean i I think we're we're waiting for him to come good i'm pretty i've been pretty positive about him but if he can really get this team to that next level it's it, it it does it does say a lot about what he's capable of doing with um you know not 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 Chelsea or Man City or Liverpool level of uh quality at his disposal so that that says a lot and so hopefully he's able to make that come to pass uh you know I mentioned at the top of the show <laughs> Jonathan's second question here is uh your nutbag nutmeg by Xhaka benched or retired just retire. I mean, if, if Xhaka's dribbling around you, just, just be done. Lukaku, I'm looking at you, man. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty sad. Uh, yeah, it, it, you're done once Xhaka makes you look bad like that. All right. One more question. Actually, I think I kind of answered this question already, but, uh, you know, I will give give uh Grinnell Misquith a shout here he he does say uh do you think Arteta is growing with the team and his tactics based on the formation or players that started against Chelsea versus Crystal Palace uh like I said he is he is growing in front of our eyes I think this team is growing with him and uh the the tactics I I can tell that he has a very tactical mind that he wants to do more with this team it is about building that base and getting the the right players in so that he can adjust things but the the amount of changes that go on throughout a game in possession out of possession you can see the ta- the flowing tactics that that go into um how Arteta likes to play and when you throw in oh we're going to we're going to throw a back 3 when we're out of possession, you know, it's like these little tweaks, that's not easy on these players. And the fact that they were able to pull that off in this game with, without much turmoil is, is pretty impressive. So I think whatever he did to switch things up between the previous game and this Chelsea game, it, it, it made all the difference. So you have to hand it to him for making those, pulling those right levers and, getting the right players in, into those positions because, you know, putting holding in, holding in Elneny in this game really changed things up. And he didn't necessarily have to do it that way, but he he did just enough to really solidify things in the back and give a platform for Odegaard and, and Kedia and, and the offensive side of things to start clicking. So if you're looking at the the tactics of everything you you got to hand it to Arteta for for pulling the right levers in this one let's see if that's able to last and if this is something that they can rely upon for the rest of the season um like I said it, it sometimes they they get found out and sometimes they have to change things and uh if we can get Tamiyasu back if we can get Party back if we can do some different things with those players it, it could change yet again so uh, if, if he has more players at his disposal, all the better, but for now, this looked like a, a really good tactic. So we'll see what he deploys on Saturday, uh, against man United. 
which is a very early game. So I hope all of you are as excited as I am to get up at 4.30 in the morning on the West Coast to catch this game because all of a sudden it sounds a lot more appealing than it did previous to yesterday's game. All right, I think I will wrap it up there. I've been talking for over an hour, which is amazing for me doing this without Tim this week. So uh, I appreciate all of you who have stuck with listening to my voice for this long and appreciate all of you who come in week after week and and listen to our podcast. Uh, So thank you. If you haven't reviewed and subscribed, go ahead and do that wherever you're listening to me right now. If you haven't joined us on Twitter, uh, why not? We are at W of N London. If you have questions that you want to send there, or they're a little, little too long, more than 140 characters, there's always westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. You can always do a voicemail, anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message. And of course, we have the Discord, which you can join by clicking the link in the show notes. Uh, we'd love to have you come leave your questions there or just join us join us for game day chat and much more uh we we want as many people over there as we can get so come join us and if you like our theme song it's from bobcat bobc.at is their website and they have their latest album plus much more there so go check them out that is it for this week so as always see you at the next gun show